podcast, cutting edge conversations with the quant community. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Quantcast, Risk.net's podcast on quantitative finance. Mauro Cesar is speaking as usual. I'm pleased to welcome back Alexei Kondratiev today, head of data analytics group at Standard Charter in London. Hi, Alexei. Hi, Mauro. Hello, everyone. And I'm pleased also to welcome Christian Schwartz, who has recently joined Alexei's team as an executive director. Hi, Christian. How are you? And welcome. Hi. Nice to meet you. And um, together, you have worked on the so-called market generator model. Um, it's a paper. Uh, it's titled The Market Generator. It's online on Risk.net, and it's in the print edition uh, of Risk in the February uh, one. Um, I have to confess, I have only heard of market generators very recently. In fact, it was when you, Alexei, mentioned that to me uh, last year. And uh, after that, I remember I went to a presentation by you, Christian, and you were presenting, presenting this exact paper uh, at the Allen Turing Institute. Uh, since then, I, uh, um, I investigated that a, a little bit and I found out uh, that actually many in the industry are working on this. And uh, I realize how this new paradigm for market simulation can be a game changer in finance. So um, I was very interested. I was uh, glad to uh, see the paper coming to us and uh, glad we published it. Now, I presume not many people are familiar with the concept of market generators, just as I was uh, not long ago. Um, so let's start by explaining what a market generator is. Uh, Alexei, would you like to, to give it a go? Uh, a market generator is a way uh, to generate synthetic uh, samples uh, from a data set that represents, uh, for example, risk factors. And we can think about a conventional Monte Carlo simulation that sits inside, uh, say, credit risk engines as a market generator because we generate potential market scenarios. Uh, the difference between our approach uh, and uh, what was traditionally done in, uh, say, Monte Carlo simulation framework was that uh, rather than uh, relying on the parametric modeling, uh, we advocate uh, non-parametric modeling and non-parametric learning of uh, market scenarios and uh, risk factors and their probability distributions. And. Why are market generator models uh, like this one only possible now and not a few years ago? I would say the main difference is that uh, there's a lot more computing power available nowadays, uh, which allows us to calibrate these type of um, machine learning models. Um, they, they do need a lot more um, computing power than the parametric models that, um, that Alexi has mentioned already. So you mentioned, yeah, the, the, the parametric models, they've been around for uh, for a long while already. Um, so what what is the main difference here? Uh, how, how would you explain um, the new paradigm uh, and what tools does it use and what, what ultimately is the one that you're proposing? Uh, I think we should start <coughs> uh, with uh, probably a slightly broader discussion. Uh, what's wrong with parametric uh, modeling. Mm -hmm. Why uh, do we believe that uh, non-parametric learning <coughs> offers something different and hopefully something better, something that uh, we cannot achieve with conventional parametric modeling? Uh, I think uh, the fundamental uh, question is the following. When we rely on the parametric modeling, we effectively prescribe a particular dynamics and we limit ourselves uh, to uh, rather simple, also mathematically beautiful, uh, 
uh, framework, uh, which is easy to implement. Uh, and uh, I think conventionally, uh, it's, it was always easy to generate new market scenarios using nice behaving parametric models, such as normal distribution or log, log normal distribution. It's easy to calibrate these models uh, to historical data, but at the same time, we sacrifice a lot of uh, accuracy and precision uh, because uh, our data set uh, may hold much more use, uh, useful information which may not be captured by a simple or even simplistic uh, parametric model. And now, uh, having access to uh, very powerful uh, hardware and sophisticated uh, machine learning uh, methodology and models, uh, as Christian said, uh, we have an opportunity uh, to try and learn complex probability distributions in a non-parametric way, such that uh, we are not missing very important uh, elements. Uh, I think uh, conventionally uh, it's easier to capture maybe linear correlations and maybe we can easily fit uh, first two moments of any probability distribution, but modeling joint tail behavior correctly, modeling uh, secondary effects going beyond the linear correlation effects, learning the whole dependent structure as uh, encoded in our data set. Uh, for that, we probably need non-parametric modeling. I think that's uh, that, that's exactly right, and I probably um, can add a couple of things from, from my perspective. Um, I do think that parametric and, uh, models have their advantages, but, but also disadvantages, um, as Alexi mentioned. The, the thing that um, I have encountered over the last 15, 20 years in, in the financial industry is that very often these parametric models or families are being used and then calibrated in a, um, let's say, mean squared error estimator or a maximum likelihood estimator. Um, and, and then uh, you find shortcomings um, in the data um, that, for example, tail behave fat tails uh, or skewed in the distribution, and then you sort of uh, continuously adjusted the probability distributions by, for example, moving from a normal to a log normal and then to a beta and so forth. Um, the, the one thing that I find that has been um, investigated or dealt with too little is the, the dependent structure. Uh, I find that in 99% of the cases in the financial industry, the Gaussian copula is being used, um, and with it comes the linear correlation um, that calibrates it, but also uh, it, it is, uh, so it's only a single parameter that calibrates it, and that uh, is very simplistic in my view and experience um, with, with describing sometimes very complex um, dependent structures. Um, I have spent a lot of time during my uni years looking into other de dependence measures like tail dependence or, or non-linear correlations, um, and, and the concept of copulas is very uh, important in that uh, in in that regard. Um, the beauty of these non-parametric models is that they, with sufficient data, are able to learn the most complex dependency structures that will not be able. Uh, to be to be modeled by either the Gaussian copula or many of the known copulas out there. It's basically a, a, a dependent structure that is is unlikely to be modeled by something that is in 
closed form solution. So I'm going to your your proposal, your model specifically. Uh, could you explain to me how how it works and what is what is new about it? Uh, I think uh, what probably is new is uh, what is also not new, if if I can formulate it this way. Uh, restricted Boltzmann machine that uh, lays at the foundation of our proposal, our approach, uh, was actually uh, widely known and used uh, as uh, one of the first neural networks uh, uh, developed uh, some 20, 25, 30 years ago. But then uh, somehow the interest uh, to RBM was lost uh, partially because of uh, success of deep learning based <coughs> on uh, simple feedforward uh, uh, neural networks, but very deep. Uh, and uh, success of deep learning uh, probably owes much to very powerful hardware based on GPUs. Uh, effectively, uh, simple feedforward neural networks uh, can, can be massively, uh, computations can be massively parallelized using GPUs. Uh, and uh, all the achievements uh, by um, f famous examples of uh, deep learning uh, um, chess engines and so on. We can uh, we can uh, here mention many examples. Uh, they uh, f probably led people to rely on different techniques, uh, different approaches, and um, uh, restricted balls machine, which is probably still uh, widely known in physics and natural sciences in general, are not as widely known in finance and financial applications. So I think what uh, what we are trying to do uh, here uh, is to uh, bring RBM back uh, to the limelight. Uh, we want to, to draw attention to, the, uh, to this beautiful uh, uh, neural network architecture and demonstrate its capabilities as a generative uh, neural network. I think uh, also, again, to, to add a little bit to that, the the history of synthetic data uh, generation, I think, um, using machine learning is one that is uh, very recent, I would say. Um, and I believe in 2015, Ian Goodfellow um, published a paper about GANs, um, which was very uh, influential. Um, and that originally was um, to produce synthetic data in a completely different domain. GANs are generative adversarial networks okay um yeah so he, he published that paper in 2015 i believe and um it was it was very influential because it was basically showing how to produce synthetic data through a machine learning or non-parametric model and however as i said the the domain was a very different one than finance uh, originally i believe it was on on uh, pictures uh, on the internet and um basically producing synthetic pictures and then having, uh, for people who don't know uh, how, how GANs work, it basically consists of two neural networks that are competing against each other. You have a, a generator network that produces these, in this case, pictures. Um, and then you have a um, discriminator network that decides whether the produced picture is a real or a synthetic one. Um, that is a very different technique to the uh, restricted Boltzmann machine that we're using. 
Um, however, I think it's a very popular one, and I think it is one that um, basically sparked the interest in synthetic gen data generation. Um, originally, as I said, in a different domain, but then uh, after a few years, the interest in finance um, has grown quite substantial, and, and I believe that most research in this space is um, in the area of GANs as opposed to restricted Boltzmann machines or other models. And going to how this actually works in practice, in the paper you show an application to effects, uh, the effects market and uh, you look at the pairwise uh, dependency structures between different, uh, different currency pairs. Uh, what did you observe on that? Well, how, how could you judge the model, if we can say that? Uh, in our paper, we look at uh, a number of um, metrics that can measure uh, model performance. Uh, obviously, we want to match uh, basic uh, basic numbers such as linear correlations and uh, first moments. So we, we want to make sure that synthetically generated data set uh, would replicate uh, linear correlations and uh, volatilities, for example. Uh, we can also look at how well all the quantiles of the distribution, uh, marginal distribution, uh, uh, are replicated, so we can uh, produce a number of QQ plots, uh, make making sure that uh, uh, generated data plotted against uh, regional training data set uh, would produce good result, good uh, good fit. Uh, but then uh, we, we also go beyond this simple matrices, and uh, uh, our intention was to make sure that the whole dependent structure is properly learned. Uh, including uh, joint tail behavior, uh, which is very important for a number of applications. You can imagine that uh, one possible application of uh, a data, synthetic data generator or the market generator uh, would be uh, in the value at risk calculation uh, setup, where uh, the original data set would have a relatively small number of samples. Uh, and therefore, any uh, high percentile VAR number uh, would not be hugely reliable and very noisy. So if you can learn in a non-parametric way the <coughs> empirical distribution, and if you can generate much larger number of samples, effectively we can generate unlimited number of samples, then we can estimate uh, joint uh, tail behavior of any combination of risk factors uh, in a much better way, much more accurate way. And therefore we can produce overall uh, portfolio of our number, which is much more accurate, but also we can investigate uh, any possible uh, combination of risk factors and how they uh, behave together. So effectively, learning as a whole dependent structure uh, was our primary objective. And in our paper, we demonstrate that um, uh, we definitely can do it. O on the data sets that we used uh, um, as an example, uh, we show that uh, the model is able uh, to learn the whole dependent structure, including uh, joint tail behavior. That's actually the, the, the whole dependent structure, as from my previous answer, I, I do feel very passionate about. And um, I have seen a couple of times firsthand in, uh, at work um, in multiple uh, occasions how um, the, the concept of linear correlation breaks down. Um, I think both um, from a risk management or portfolio management perspective, um, but also where, where basically a higher correlation 
um, that uh, arises in systemic risk scenarios, as we've seen during the global financial crisis, the Lehman crisis, the, the sovereign crisis in Europe. Uh, correlations are not constant. They, they rise very quickly and uh, very close to one in, in systemic uh, risk scenarios. And that has a, a huge impact on your portfolio. Uh, and if your model is not able to capture that by assuming a constant correlation, I think uh, you're in trouble. Uh, similarly, in a, in a non-risk um, management um, setup, but when, when you're dealing with CDOs um, or, or CLOs, um, any collateralized um, uh, sort of uh, security with a, with a pool of multiple underlyings, the same concept again applies in this case, then pricing is, is substantially uh, impacted by this rising correlation. We have been talking about uh, financial application as it's quite natural, uh, given given this is risk.net and uh, you are two, uh, uh, two quants. But I suppose this as a tool that is um, uh, useful to uh, replicate and simulate data sets, not just time series, I suppose, it might find applications elsewhere, uh, outside finance. Where, where would you see possible applications? Uh, Mauro, you're absolutely right. Um, we even <coughs> uh, tend to think about uh, the market generator as uh, a data anonymizer uh, because uh, generation of synthetic uh, data has uh, multiple applications outside of finance. Uh, for example, uh, data anonymization in the medical data set context uh, is very important possible application. <coughs> a synthetic data that preserves all the statistical properties of the data set, while at the same time, every single synthetic sample is not related to any particular original sample, and therefore uh, preserves uh, uh, anonymity of our clients or patients uh, is, is very important. Uh, so uh, I, I think uh, we hope that uh, RBM will gain uh, popularity again uh, in this context as uh, a way to generate synthetic data outside of uh, financial context. You can also think about compliance, for example, uh, which is uh, important not only finance, but also outside of finance, or any, uh, any data set that must be shared with the third parties while preserving anonymity. Uh, I, I think this is hugely important uh, uh, topic for further research and uh, uh, um, for us as well. Uh, this is something that uh, we are also investigating right now. I think another application is um, anywhere where reinforcement learning is being used. Um, there's a, a subcategory of reinforcement learning uh, models that are so-called uh, model-based where you basically simulate the environment that the agent is uh, supposed to learn and, and then act upon. Um, in situations where you do not have um, a lot of data, um, you can potentially learn the probability distribution of the underlying data um, and then sort of let the smart agent or the intelligent agent in reinforcement learning um, learn from real experience as well as dreamed up experience um, that is produced from the synthetic um, generator. Fascinating, fascinating. Um, 
I think um, there's um, there's also uh, a question on the applicability, obviously, on, on the banking side on how this is, uh, let's say, approved internally. Uh, uh, this is obviously a model as such. We'll go through some internal procedure as model validation. How do you uh, prove that the model is reliable and is verifiable? How easy is that? I would say that uh, it, it typically depends on the use case. Uh, generally, uh, model validation can be done at uh, many different levels. Uh, even uh, the process of uh, training model in machine learning sense, uh, when a model learns uh, the non-parametric uh, 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 features uh, and learns an, uh <coughs> the empirical distribution, uh, what, uh, what we do, we effectively uh, control to some degree ability of this model to perform well and uh, we can prioritize one uh, features and one use cases uh, above uh, the other um, also if model is used in um, uh, let's let's say an official setup uh, if uh, results of the model have uh, impact on uh, numbers that may potentially go into official books and records or risk management decisions are made uh, using these numbers, then uh, the model should definitely be subject to uh, model validation um, <coughs> a framework as uh, uh, as set up and developed by a particular institution. In other contexts, uh, uh, model validation can be done differently. Um, it, it, I would say that it's always uh, heavily uh, use case dependent. Market generator models are receiving uh, greater and greater attention. Like in the past year, um, so a, a lot of uh, people in the quant community have been started doing research on this. Um, so in general, non-parametric models. Um, what other type of models do you see out there that are, uh, say, competing in a way or or uh, going side by side with this one to offer this type of solutions? I think the main uh, other models that are out there that are being used to produce synthetic data are the uh, generative adversarial networks, the GANs that I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. um, I would say most emphasis is put on those um, in terms of research. Uh, and then there's autoencoders as well who have been um, around for a long time as well, but I think are you know less um, uh, being used at the moment. Um, I would say those are mainly the three main models. And what's the next step in the development of these models? Uh, we are looking at uh, new use cases. Uh, we are looking at uh, the ways to improve performance. Um, uh, a restricted balls machine has so many nice properties that can be used. Uh, uh, RBMs can be combined together into a deep uh, Boltzmann machine uh, network with uh, uh, new features, uh, which is uh, one uh, potential and promising uh, way of um, uh, extending the capabilities of RBM. Uh, RBMs can also be trained differently. Um, uh, you probably know that uh, <coughs> we're also looking at uh, various applications of quantum computing in finance, and uh, RBM is a model that can, uh, can be efficiently trained on uh, quantum annulers and samples from 
fully trained uh, balls of machine can be generated uh, on a, a quantum chip on quantum manila uh, if, uh, efficiently and uh, we expect to actually gain orders of magnitude speed up generating samples using quantum manila so for big uh, simulation engines uh, it, it, it can offer actually a, a material advantage so there are many ways in which we can uh, expand uh, our, our research and um, I think it's, it's important uh, to use it and try it and uh, I think our uh, objective was also to popularize this type of uh, neural network and demonstrate that it can be applied productively in finance. I think there's a, a couple of additional use cases to what Alexi already said. Uh, he mentioned, for example, anonymization. Um, I think um, outlier detection is another one. Um, and to some extent, um, fighting overfitting. Um, so if, if the, the purpose is to train a um, um, su supervised machine learning uh, model, that uh, you know a classifier or a regressor um, to some extent these models um, can overfit um, when there's not enough data or the complexity of the probability distribution of the of the real data um, is, is is very high um, in some of these cases producing synthetic data and then training um, these classifiers or regressors on synthetic data um, can lead to um, reduced overfitting um, and then finally one area of, uh, of, of research that I'm very passionate about is uh, the non-stationarity um, element of, of time series so um, producing synthetic data um, from a stationary static so to speak uh, probability distribution is one thing um, producing time series that are um, non-stationary and autocorrelated or, or other features um, is another challenge um, and, and that's something that I'm very interested in. Excellent. Christian, Alexei, thank you very much for coming over today and talk us through uh, your market generator model. Very interested indeed. Thank you, Mauro. Yes, thank you. And uh, for everybody uh, who is interested in this subject, uh, stay tuned. We'll come back to it very soon. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.